0: Now this has been kind of a, a rough week for us. We lost our little puppy on Wednesday. She's six years old, and somebody poisoned her. So it's been a rough week for us. But we're you know we're surviving. It's kind of you know feel like part of your part of who you are is gone. So it's been kind of a, a rough week for us. But our you know and our our son came down with our grandkids. So it kind of With all the little rugrats running around, curtain climbers and everything, it kind of does take your mind off of things a little bit. So this has kind of been a little harder, you know, week for us. So anyway, we're on a series. This is the fourth series on two verses. So now you know why I have such a hard time in Bible study (laughs) trying to get through a chapter. Because this is the fourth week on two verses. And we're going to continue on that in Matthew, the 16th chapter. 17, verse 17, you ought to have it memorized by now because we've been, this is the, been through it three weeks, so we should be able to know it pretty well. And I'm going through it each item at a time to kind of break it down because sometimes we read some of these scriptures and we, uh, we get intimidated and we get condemned. If we're getting condemned, it's the devil. But if we're getting convicted, then that's God and we need to do something about it. So one of those two things. The, the thing is that you just got to filter through which is condemnation and what is conviction and that's between you and God. (laughs) So that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to continue on with that. Now, the verse, and I'm reading from the New King James on these verses, so if it reads a little different, then that's okay. I like all the versions because you kind of can get some different uh, insight into them, but as far as uh, if I, I always go back to the King James. I start there, and then I kind of lead off from there because I I think the the King James is, is pretty good, and I cut my teeth on King James so I don't have any problems with the these and the thou's but I know that some of you that are a lot younger than I am you know, if you have a problem with the these and the thou's I don't care the best version of the bible is the one you read if you won't read King James then get a new living translation i like that one too that's what this one is a new living i like the new living translation too but i like them all they all have their own perspective on verses so i'm not locked into that I, you're not going to go to hell if you get to read a different version than King James <laughs> Because it's just a translation from the Greek, the same as some of these other ones are. But anyway, we're talking about uh, signs. Let's see. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay the hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, in the last few weeks, we talked about casting out demons. We talked about speaking in new tongues. And... Um, this morning we're going to talk about taking up serpents. Now I'm going to reiterate this example that I've given every week because it, you're going to, because I'll know that you'll get it. And that's what when your signs follow, that's like walking on a beach. You don't have to try to leave footprints in the sand. That's just something that's going to happen if you walk across the beach. You can't help it. You're going to unless you're the kung fu guy that practices tippy through life. But that isn't me. I'm more like a bull through a china cabinet. So you're going to know where I've been by the, if you look at those kind of things. But we don't have to try to leave footsteps. And as Christians and believers, we don't have to try to leave signs. They just follow us. We're not supposed to follow the signs. The believers don't follow signs. It's the unbelievers that follow signs to the believers so they can learn how to believe. So I guarantee you that after we get through this, you'll at least know that example because it'll be embedded in here. And every time you're walking around, you won't be intimidated about this stuff because you don't have to try to leave them. They're just something that natural that happens. If you turn around, oh, yeah, if you want to, take an evaluation, you can look. But generally speaking, you're, we're not concerned with that. Our goal is ahead of us, not behind us. God didn't call us to look over our shoulder and look behind us. He called us to look forward and to walk forward, and that's what he wants us to do. And this world is a beach. Sometimes the sand's hot. Sometimes it gets got some little rocks and stuff in it. So when you step on it, you may cut your foot. There's all kinds of things in the sand maybe we don't see. That's the way life is, and that's the way real beaches are. But God wants us to walk and leave footprints in the sand. We want to make God wants us to make a difference while we're here. And that's what these verses are dealing with. Now it said to take up servants. Now it didn't say you go around and look for servants to pick up. Isn't in there. That isn't in that verse. I and mean, the last thing I want to do is pick up something. Like that. Now if I see a snake and I have seen snakes around my property, I know Susie has. We don't sit there and say, Oh, praise the Lord, there's a rattlesnake over there, and I'm going to go test my faith. I'm going to go over there and i pick up that little snake, and I'm going to show you how much I believe. I guarantee you're going to get bit. <laughs> because that isn't what this verse tells us to do. It doesn't tell us to go around looking for snakes, so we can say, Hey, come on over here, friends. Come over here, neighbors. I'm going to show you signs follow believers. See that snake over there? I'm going to go over there and get it, see? Because I'm not afraid. See, it's a sign I believe. That isn't what this scripture means at all. And these people that want to do that, that's why so many people get bit. If they they take this literally, it's snakes like we see, rattlesnakes. If it meant rattlesnakes, it said rattlesnakes. I think that God knows that there's a difference between snakes and rattlesnakes or serpents and rattlesnakes. I think God knows the difference, don't you? So we don't want to get into that thing. Now, if I want to see a snake out in my yard, rattlesnake, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to go in there and get my gun, and I'm going to shoot it with my uh, snake pellet I'm going to shoot it in the head first, and then I'll pick it up with something, a shovel or something, I'm over there, and I'm I'll cut off its head. And then I'll pick it up with a shovel, and I'm going to throw it in the garbage, or I'll throw it clear off the property. I picked it up, didn't I? Didn't I pick up that snake? Didn't say I had to pick it up with my hands. That's just a minor little detail that makes a lot of difference in that verse. And I think it would have been in there if he wanted us to pick it up with our hands. Huh, I don't think so. I ain't going to be picking up no snake with my hands, so, ah, uh, uh, dead or alive, I don't like those things. So I'm going to kill it. Now Numbers the 24th chapter, if you want to go there, we're going to read about three a ver- couple verses there, and uh, kind of get a little bit of insight into this, a little bit maybe. And this is a story probably that a lot of you are familiar with, but I'm going to read through it anyway. Numbers the 21st chapter and the verse six, and it said, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor." taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out, Egypt to, out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by sinking, sinning, speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole, and all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of a bronze and attached it to the pole. Then, they, then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now the people were complaining. Now that's a good lesson to us. <laughs> If you're doing a lot of complaining, you better look out for some snakes. <laughs> so the people were complaining against God and complaining about everything that there was, and God had to stop the complaining. Sometimes God has to stop the complaining in our life, too, because in America, we're so blessed, we really have nothing to complain about. But sometimes we do. We get in the old me's and the poor me's and in that kind of venue thing, and God has to stop the complaining. So the best way not to worry about having to have some, dealing with some snakes in your life, don't complain. And don't you hate it when your kids complain? Man, I hate it when my my kids complain. No matter what you give them. eh, 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 And everything's never good enough for them. Well, I saw that, I told you that before. They didn't like something at Christmas time. They opened it up. I took it away from them. They didn't get it back. You don't want this? There it goes. Forget it. So saying God will do the same thing to us. So we want to make sure that we don't complain. That's a, that's one of the first lessons that's in here. The second was that they need to. Um, God sent the snakes. Now all of a sudden God got their attention, but now He had to provide a way for them to be saved. He did something. Got them. They're complaining to stop, and now the people were going to die. And so God said, "Here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you. A, you make a, a copy of this snake or a bronze thing, putting up it on pole. And anyone looks upon that snake on that pole will be spared from death." So God provided the way. Now, those people didn't run around the uh, camp and say, Man, I hope I'm going to go find me a snake so I can get bit, so I can see if it works. (laughs) I don't think so. You get bit by a snake, it hurts. I haven't been bit by a snake, but I have no desire to get bit by a snake. No, thank you. So I'm not going to go around and look for them, and neither were these people to prove that they had faith, to prove whether or not this would work. But God provided the way, but they had to do something. And they couldn't just go in the tent and go over to the temple and, and say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. They couldn't just do that. They couldn't go offer a sacrifice. They couldn't do anything. They had to look up the snake on the pole if they wanted to live. Well, guess what? We've been bitten by a snake too. It's called sin. And this bite that's happened in our lives is going to kill us. But see, just as the same as God provided a way for the children of Israel to be saved, God provided a way for us to be saved. And he provided a way. And if we look at Christ, let's see, where's that scripture at? Let's see, John 3, 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the sun must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, God knew Years ago, at the time of Moses, how Jesus was going to die. He'd already had the plan of salvation all sewed up and all figured out by himself. Wasn't a surprise to him at all. And he said, I want to use this example here with Moses and this serpent to let people know who it is that's going to die for their sin. So I'm going to have the sacrifice for sin die in the same way that this snake is up on this pole. So he used it as a symbolized to symbolize Christ on the cross. And that's what Christ said. As the Son of Man will be us be lifted up, and everyone that believes in him or everyone looks to him will be saved. There's no other way that God provided. You can't go offer sacrifice. You can't do without Pepsi or Coke for a month. You can't do anything to get saved except for look upon Christ on the cross. There isn't anything else that you can do. And God used this as an example to let us know thousands of years before Christ was going to die on the cross he put a symbol there for us John 12:32 says and when I am lifted up from the earth I will draw everyone to myself he said to this to indicate how he was going to die now Jesus knew how he was going to die cuz he had set up a system the beginning of time he knew how he was going to die and Jesus every time he walked into Jerusalem now crucifixion was a common practice during that time, so every time he walked into Jerusalem, he probably passed somebody up on a cross, somebody dying on a cross, and reminded that hey, one day you're going to die, one day you're going to die. That's terrible, isn't it? Don't you just hate it? Your kids hate it when you keep telling your kids, "Wait, your dad gets home." Then your dad gets home, he says, "Go get a switch off the tree." Of course, I know you can't do that nowadays in the society we live in. I'm like, that's terrible. That waiting to get, the, you know, for that punishment is almost worse than the punishment itself. You'd rather die. I'd Just get it over with. No, wait till your dad gets home. Wait till your dad gets home. So every time Jesus walked into Jerusalem, he was reminded that one day he's going to die just like that. And it was a terrible way to die. But he knew it. And it didn't dissuade him at all because he knew that that was the only way that um, he could save us. And we had, if, if we couldn't look upon him on the cross, then we couldn't be saved. And so he, li- he willingly let himself be lifted up. So he knew what way he was going to die. In Moses' time, it was already established the way that Christ was going to die. And that was a long time before they even used crucifixion. So in case somebody said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's where they got, because of this sign in the Moses, that's where we got our medical sign with a serpent around the, the pole. Isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> how, they, how they take those kind of things and, and do it. Another interesting thing is 2 Kings 18 and 4, it says, this is talking about Hezekiah. During his time, he said, He removed the high places and break the image and cut down the groves and, and break into pieces. in the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and called it Nehushtan. Kind of interesting. Here they had this pole that God set up for them to, to look upon to be saved because it's an example of a snake that was killed because that was what was killing them was the snake. And they worshipped it. They turned it into an idol. And that's what the devil will do with everything in our life. He'll turn it into an idol if we let him. If you had a miracle happen in your life or God granted something in your life doing a certain way, well, next time something like that's going to happen, you're going to want to do it in the same way because it worked last time. So then we kind of focus, change the focus from God into the way that we did something. And God doesn't want to do that because we don't want to turn anything into an idol. We have to come to God every single, you know, and different things in, in our lives in different ways. We can't make anything a certain thing, a certain way to do things. I say three hallelujahs and two praise the Lord, and that's how my pray, prayers get answered. We've made an idol out of it if we do that. So God doesn't want that in our lives. Acts 28, if you want to turn there, we're going to read about four verses there. Um, And this is probably another instance that I know you're familiar with because I did kind of talk about it a while, not a long time ago, about over a year ago, I guess. But this is just kind of get an idea of what's going on as far as this verse is concerned that we want to deal with. And we're talking about Paul, Acts 28, starting in verse 3. And it says, As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw this hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, just, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited long, a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... Oh, yeah, That's it. <laughs> I'm trying to read it again, I put it in there twice. That scripture, that's the way that's supposed to be. Now Paul, he was on a mission of God. He was going from point A to point B. He was serving God, doing what he can. He was just doing the regular things that you'd do in your daily life. Didn't plan on anything, and all of a sudden this snake comes out and bites him in the hand. Now he didn't sit there and say, "Oh, wow, interesting. Look at that. There's a snake hanging on my hand." Everybody see this snake hanging on my hand? I mean, this is a poisonous snake, right? I'm just to sit there and admire the thing? I know he goes. And he throws it off. He casts it off. That's what God wants us to do with those snakes in our life. He wants us to cast them off. Because if we don't take, cast them off immediately, that poison is just going to keep pumping into our hearts and into our lives. And God, that's what God wants to do for our lives. He wants us to cast off the snakes. Now, sure, this was a literal instance. And there may be literal times in your life when you're serving God. If you're on a mission of God and something like this might happen, just cast it off. And God said, I'm going to protect you. So there is that literal meaning there that no matter what i'm going to take care of you and he no apostle or disciple died of a snake bite they could have they should have right there but god protected them because god has a plan for our lives and we can't go home till our work's done that's the reality of it god has a plan purpose for our life so hey let's get busy and do it so we can go home one day uh psalms um 91 13 says you will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. Now that verse is in the Bible too, but I haven't seen anybody out there trying to play with lions. Have you? I'm going to go out and find me a lion. I'm going to trample over lions like I did a snake. I can pick up a lion. I'm going to pick up a snake. No big deal. See, we don't have a problem not making a doctrine out of this. Don't have a problem. Why is it? It's in the Bible. Verse, uh, who is the roaring lion and the serpent? They're supposed to crush under our feet. Aha, I know you know this one. 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Bible tells us who the lion is. Who's the lion? Satan. He's looking around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He acts like a roaring lion, but he isn't one literally. And this verse isn't talking about us going out and go to Africa so we can fight a lion, so we can trample on it and show them who's boss. Because, of course, if you went to Africa and seen one of these lions, you wouldn't want to get close to them because those things are big. Go to the zoo and see them, but I mean, their heads are like this. Come on. <laughs> you may have all the courage there is to you face one and <laughs> see one up close. See, one behind bars, you don't want to get in that cage with that thing. I'm going to get in this cage and prove that I have faith because God told me I can trample them under my feet. Well, it's kind of hard trampling a lion under your feet, isn't it, from inside their mouth? <laughs> so we need to make sure that we read things in context because that's where we get in trouble is when we just take things out and then we inter- put our own meanings in there. If we let God interpret things for us, well, he'll tell us what it is. He'll tell us what he means by it. We don't have to guess. He doesn't want us in darkness. Revelation 12, 9 says, This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. He tells us who the serpent is right here. Who's the serpent? Satan or the devil? Take your choice. Call him whatever you want. The Bible tells us who the serpent is. That's the serpent we're supposed to take up and cast aside. Not unless we happen to be in that situation where we have to. Uh, Luke ten seventeen and that says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us through your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you authority to trend on serpents and scorpions and over all the authority of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yet do not rejoice in this, that the evil spirits are subject to you. Rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. He said, I give you authority to trend on serpents and scorpions. Nobody's playing with scorpions either. I don't know why snakes are so popular. He says he's given us authority to trample them, to trend on them, not to let them bother us. That isn't what we want to do. God gave us authority over everything in his name. And these disciples of of Jesus, they were out there, and they were so happy and excited. They go out there, in the name of Jesus, come out to the demons, and they came out. And in the name of Jesus, this, they did all these things, and they come back, and they're so excited about what they did in the name of Jesus. And that's okay. It's okay to look back and see the power in the name of Jesus because there is power in his name. But he didn't want us so involved in doing the things in his name. He wants us to rejoice that we're saved because that's more important. I don't care what you do for Jesus. Be thankful you're saved. And all those other things are just a natural result of salvation. God doesn't want us to change our focus on the things that we do, but on our salvation and our relationship with God. That's the most important thing in our life. That's what we need to put Put our focus our time and energy on, spending time with God and getting his, his word into our hearts and help us to know what he wants us to do because he's given us the authority to do everything in his name. Now, I go on to do, he wants us to do everything. That means he wants us to do our, our daily job in his name. If you um, have to get the victory over a sink dishes and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to take authority over this sink additions, <laughs> you have to clean them. Or you have to clean your house. Sometimes you need to take authority over a dirty house. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. Not just the big things like, oh, I'm going to go cast out a demon today in the name of Jesus. No, he doesn't want us looking for demons. He wants us to live our daily lives. And if something happens that we need to do that, then in the name of Jesus, get out of there. That's what he wants us to do. Because that's his will. That's the authority he gave us. And the same authority he gave to the disciples here is the same authority we have. If we in this morning in this uh, church this morning would just understand that one scripture we could turn this whole area upside down we'd have to man we'd have to hire out every the the school and everything and have 100 services a day to fit the people in here if we would just step up to the plate and I'm saying we because you know I may point this way but five four fingers are pointing back at me (laughs) you know because all of us need to do this. We don't understand this. We don't grasp this. And that's because the Satan has infiltrated our minds and he let us know that, hey, you know, you can't do that. And he tells us, you can't do that. You can't do this. Oh, just sit home. Go to church on Sunday. It's okay. Oh, no, if you have to go to Bible study, go. But it's not a big deal. We've got to fight that. And we've got to realize that, hey, God has given us authority. And he didn't call us to sit on our hind ends. In just a pew, he wants us out there in the world. He wants us out there because that's where the unbelievers are, most of them. There are some maybe that show up in church sometimes, but most of the unbelievers, the ones that aren't Christians, they're out there in the world, and he wants us to go out there and get them. But we can't do it in our own power and authority. I can't save anybody. I mean, if you're drowning in a lake, you know, maybe I could haul you to shore. But that's about all I could do. I can't have no power, authority to get you to heaven. Only Jesus has that power and authority. But I have the key that I can share with you. Hey, here's the key. Jesus is the key. You want to get through that door? Here's the key. That's what he wants us to do. Not in my power. My name won't get you anything. But in his name, everything's open to me. All the riches of heaven is poured into the name of Jesus. And we can have that power through his Holy Spirit when he indwells us and he fills us and he infuses us with power. And when we're so full of the Holy Ghost and full so full of God in our lives, we can't help but open this mouth and say something because otherwise we'll pop. Around Thanksgiving time, you eat so much, you oh, man, you can't hardly move. you got to do something, you know. Well, that's the way it is with God. Get, get so much of God in our lives that when we go out into the world, we just can't help but say something because if we don't, we'll pop. And we don't have to worry about thinking about it because Jesus said, don't prepare what you're going to say except I think you should know your testimony. And you can practice that because, you, you know, who knows your life better? And they don't want a long 20-minute sermon on your testimony. Just give a couple minutes of your testimony. So that's why you have to practice so you can condense it. And get a letter to know, hey, this is what God did for me. This is what he did for me. And I know he can do the same thing for you. And then that's what God wants us to do. But we have to have the power. He's the power and authority in us. And he will give us the other things that he needs us to say. Because he knows that person that we're talking to. I don't know who they are. I may never met them before in my life. But he knows them. And he has, knows what he wants you to say to that person to get them to either open the Bible or either to accept him as Savior or get them to think because sometimes all we do is plant seeds. That's all we do. Sometimes we're just a johnny apple seed, just planting seeds. The problem is we've got all the seeds in our pouch and we're not throwing them anywhere. And so nothing's going to grow until you get out of your pouch. And this is our pouch in here where the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives. This is the pouch that we need to get the seeds out from. And when God says when we speak his words and we do what he wants us to do, he's responsible for the results. He's the one that's going to make that seed germinate, and he's the one that's going to make sure that seed gets watered, and he's the one that's going to keep the weeds out if we're willing to do our part. And that's what God wants us to do. So we have that power and authority in his name. In First John... Create, it says but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil why did Jesus come to destroy the works of the devil to redeem us to save us and then he left and went back to heaven and he left his spirit here to dwell within us and he left us <laughs> us here because where he his will the reason he came is the same reason we're here to destroy the works of the devil I'm tired of the world destroyed the devil destroying this world I'm tired of all the, the violence and all the things that's going on in this world. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of watching our nation go down the toilet because of what the devil is doing. Well, we need to take authority over that and speak plead the blood of Jesus over our nation and ask it God raise up a righteous man. Get rid of the tear down the people that aren't righteous and let your word and your will be elevated. Because when that happens, when the righteous rule, there's prosperity. When unrighteousness rules, there's not. That's the reality of it. And we're not in a prosperous area of our life right now as a nation. Why? Well, track it back. (laughs) When did we lose prosperity? As soon as we started throwing God out a little more, a little more at a time. The prosperity follows the way God goes. When God's in your life, he prospers. When he's not, and that's the same thing about our personal lives, too. Works in our personal lives, too. When God's in our life and leading and directing us, we're going to prosper. Maybe not financially, because when we say the word proper prosper, the first thing we think of is money, 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 money. But there's a lot of things money we can't buy. And the people that have money would give all their money for help. They'd give all their money for peace or some joy in their life. And we have all those things free from God. And what we have to do is say, Jesus, here I am, a sinner. And I'm looking to the cross. I'm looking to you for my salvation. I have no power myself to save myself. But because of you, I can be saved. It's because of you and your sacrifice. I can look on the cross, and now I can be saved. And then my whole life can be changed, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and he brings peace and joy and all those things that, that we're searching and, and the world's searching for. That's where it's found when you look on the cross. Look to the cross. That's the only way we can be saved. <clears throat> interesting, interesting thing about snakes or serpents as you can't train one can't train one my son had one and that thing was the ugliest thing and oh i hated it he'd feed that thing mice and oh i just you know there's nothing good good about a snake <laughs> i mean i've never seen a cute one you know you don't see snake clothes they don't make clothes for snakes they don't make hair hair things for snakes because they're not supposed to be pets <laughs> You can't trust those things. You turn your back, hey, man, they're going to have you <laughs> if you get a chance. You forget to feed that snake, they're going to run around and look at your animals. Hey, hmm, well, here's a kitty cat. I don't care if you love that cat. Eh, God. Because snakes can't be trained. They don't care. All they do is know how to kill and eat. That's all they do. And they lay around the rest of the time and grow. And if you don't take care of the snake, it's going to grow. Them snakes can grow 20 feet long. There's no limit on how long they can grow. If a snake's healthy, it continues to grow forever, as long as it lives. Where did dinosaurs go? Well, lizards, they just continue to grow. I've seen some lizards. If those those lizards ended up being, you know, 100 years old, that'd be a big lizard, you know? And that's reptiles. They continue to grow every single time, every day after day. It's all they do is grow. But if I see a 20-foot snake, that's going to be hard to kill. 20-foot snakes, you know, I'm I'm not going to be interested in trying to kill them. I'm interested in how fast I can get away. Snakes are really easier to kill when they're little. But the big snake's easier to see. (laughs) So you have a choice here. You take care of ones that are harder to see, or you take care of the big ones that's harder to kill. Well, that's what happens in our life if we don't deal with the snakes, and the snake bite is sin. We don't deal with those things in our life. They're going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to fester until there's a big thing. And it's hard to kill something that's big. It's easier to quit smoking the first month you start. Isn't it? If you ever, most of you have ever smoked, you know that? Hey, you know, I smoke for a week. Of course, you have to really want to smoke in order to smoke because you cough and choke and get sick and all those things for about the ter- first couple of weeks until you're cool. I'm cool, <coughs> I'm so cool first few weeks you know man you really want to do it and it's easy to quit at that time why did I do this man this stuff makes me sick that's the time to throw it away but we're too busy being cool I gotta be cool <clears throat> after all my hero smokes and I look tough and mean if I'm smoking you know go look at yourself in the mirror with the cigarette hanging out of your mouth boy am I cool put my hat down boy don't I look mean but it's easy during that time to quit smoking but 20 years down the road, after you've been smoking for 20 years, it's hard to quit. It's really hard because it's a big snake then, and it's hard to kill that, that thing then. That's what God wants us to do in our lives. And when we serve him, he wants us to deal with the things when they're little. So if you think like feel like God's nitpicking stuff in your life, hey, he just doesn't want it to become a big snake that you have to deal with. That's why. So we need to realize that we can't make pets out of these things. Sometimes we try to make pets out of our sin, too. Oh, it's just a little mistake I made. It's not a big deal. God doesn't care. Oh, yes, he does. There's no such thing as being a little bit pregnant. No such thing. And you're either pregnant or you're not. And Jesus said he doesn't like sin, any sin, period. I don't care how small it is or how big it is. It doesn't matter to God. It's still the same size to God. And that sin, no matter how small it is, can separate you from God. And pretty soon, if we let these little sins get in our life and we don't take care of them when God's dealing with us about them, pretty soon we let something else get in. And then we let something else get in. And then we're not showing up on Sundays, Sunday school. We don't show up for church on the Sunday morning. We don't show up for Sunday night. We don't come to Wednesday nights or, or whatever it might be, even though we ha- don't have any excuse not to. We're working and things like that. Yeah, that's different. Well, we, all of a sudden, it starts separating us from God. And now we're not as comfortable around God's people as we used to be. Why? Because we didn't deal with that little teeny thing that we had in our life that we kept feeding and kept growing and, you know, dressing it up in little pretty clothes, trying to hide it. <laughs> because when it gets big, a 20-foot snake's hard to, hard to hide. Little teeny ones are hard. So we come to church on, on Sunday morning, or we come to church, and, and we sit there and we try to hide these little things because nobody can see them. But if we don't take care of them, pretty soon they're going to be so big, everybody can see them. And then we don't want to come to church because we know anybody's anybody seeing our snake. <laughs> but God wants us to cast them from us, to take them up and throw them away and cast them up, toss out. They're the same word. It doesn't say, you know, in Hebrew, it's the same word. We just, they just put take up. Could have been throw out just as easy. But I don't know why they chose that word. But that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to trample on serpents. He wants us to tell tell Satan, get out of my life and pick him up and say, I'm casting you out. And if you have to do it physically to be able to get the reality of it in your heart, say, Satan, I'm tired of you messing around with my life. I'm casting you out in the name of Jesus. Because he'll get us if we let him. And he'll let us make pets out of our sins. He'll let us make pets out of everything in our life that's going to distract from God. Hebrews 12.1 says, As for us, we have the large crowd of witnesses around us. So then let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds on to us so tightly and let us run with the ter- termination the race that lies before us. Romans 13.12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. That's what we need to do. God says, signs follow believers. We don't need to do signs to verify our faith. But we have the opportunities, then we have the authority to do it in Jesus' name. Everything that God has asked us to do, he's given us the power and the authority to do it. And we don't need to back down. So if we run into that 20-foot snake, we don't have to back down. We say, in the name of Jesus. I was telling them here one Sunday night ago about a time I was up in the mountains, and I was out over the hill, we had some property up there, and I was kind of sitting over the hot side hill. Randy wasn't saved at the time. And so I'd go out on the point. i called call it the point where you could look over the little valley area. And I'd pray and read my Bible. And I was sitting there on the, kind of down on the side hill like this. And uh, I was just reading my Bible, and all of a sudden I heard this, Well, oh, I thought it was Randy playing, trying to scare me or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world is that, you know? And So I just ignored it pretty soon I heard another rah! and I turn around and I look and about from here to the window here's this mountain lion and it's a big mountain lion and I'm going and I was so shocked I'd never seen one you know I'd one thing looking at him in a zoo and it's no quite another thing when you're looking at them with nothing no bars in between you you know and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at that thing and I'm going and I'm sitting there and I'm out there I don't have nothing I all I have is my bible in my hand you know, I've never, we've never seen a mountain line up there at all. We've had that property down in how many years that we'd had it. We've never seen anything like that up there. And so I stood up, and I just stood there and looked at him. And I'm saying, well, I guess if he comes at me, I shove my Bible in his mouth. <laughs> That's all I had. That was my weapon. <laughs> and so, but I just, you know, God come over me. The Spirit of God came over, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of here. And I stomped my feet like that. And that Ryan went, and he turned and walked away. And I went back to reading my Bible and praying. And I was fine until later it sunk into me what had happened. And I'm a like, kidding. Then I started getting scared. <laughs> and I started starting to get afraid. And I went back and told him I seen a mountain lion race. Oh, no, you didn't. I said, oh, yes, I did. And so from then on, I started ta- carrying a gun with me when I went down there. I knew what it said, watch and pray. I knew what it meant, watch and pray. <laughs> so, but the lions are sitting there everywhere to devour us, either literally or spiritually, mainly spiritually, because God, the devil doesn't care. If you come, you can come to church every day you want, you can do whatever you want, as long as your heart isn't changed. He don't care. As long as you ain't witnessing for him, as long as you're not trying to throw out any snakes, as long as you're not bothering him at all, he don't care. He'll leave you alone to a certain degree. But the minute your direction changes, there's going to be some obstinance. There's going to be some resistance. And we have to decide that regardless of the resistance, we're going to serve God. We're going to do it. And I'm not going to let no snake, which is the devil, interfere with my life. I don't have to because I have the authority of Jesus in my life. And I don't have to deal with it. I can pick it up and I can cast it out in the name of Jesus. Satan, you get your hands off of me. You get your hands off God's property. I belong to God. Now, you leave me alone.
1: And he has to
0: leave you alone. He has to go. But we as a church, we've been praying for revival. And I believe it's going to happen. And I believe we just got the first down payment of knowing that the devil's scared. When our dog died this last week, that was a sign to me. The devil doesn't like what we're doing and he wants to destroy us. And if things happen in our life, if you got your mind made up, you're going to serve God irregardless. It's rough. It's not easy sometimes. It's not all roses. There's some thorns on that rose bush. And sometimes when you grab for the rose, you're going to grab the thorns. And I'm not happy about the things that happen, but nothing's going to dissuade me from serving God. And you have to have your mind made up. It doesn't matter. We like to sing that song, take away my earthly gain, but give me Jesus. But if he starts taking, taking some stuff away, how much of reality is that scripture going to, how's it going to seek in? Don't sing that if you don't mean it. And if you don't mean it, pray to God and ask him till you do mean it. Because that's the only way we're going to make it through this world. You can't, there's no peace, there's no joy inside this world, especially with all the turmoil going on without God. And that's what these verses deal with. Don't let the serpents of this world get you. Cast them out, throw them from you, and say, irregardless, I'm going to serve God. I've got my mind made up. I don't care. Take away everything, because nothing in this world can compare to the joy that's prepared for us in his name and in heaven. That's the reality of being a Christian. It isn't this world. If you're living your life for this world, you're going to be disappointed because this world is full of pain and suffering and anger and uneasiness and all kinds of things. But the place, my home, is not. All those things aren't there. I have peace, joy in this life, in this body. I have that. And I've had peace through this situation. And it was hard this past week. I mean, I even had a hard time praying especially when the dog got sick and we prayed for him. We anointed him with oil and we prayed for him and we cried out to God and, and the puppy still died. It was hard. It was hard not to you know, to say, God, why did you do this? So you don't know, get angry with God. It was hard. And I had a hard time praying. I just had to put on some music and lay on the bed and just sit there and listen. and just well, I felt like I was just climbing up into God's lap and letting and crying and let him t- try to heal me. Because if you don't have animals and know how much they mean to you you won't understand. But if you do, they're just like your kids. And it, was, it is very hard. It's very hard. But I know that my hope is in Jesus. And I'll have to worry about what this life throws toward me because this life is temporary. And I'm looking forward to a new world and a new maker who's, who's promised me so many things. And one day when I walked those streets of gold and I, and I could see all the reasons that all these things happened then I'll have, and I'll understand. Not that it matters, because once I get there, we're not even going to think about those kind of things. But my hope is built in another world. And these serpents and these snakes or anything in this world is not going to dissuade me from serving God. And you need to get your mind made up to that. Otherwise, you might as well plan on having a lot of losing your life, because that's the reality of it. Because if you let the snake bite you, if you let him get a hold of your life, he'll kill you. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. And this life is so short. We have few, very few years compared to eternity. Heads bowed, eyes closed. <clears throat> I want to ask you this morning. You've been dealing with some snakes in your life, and you've been letting the snakes win? Is that you this morning? Let me see your hand. A lot of snakes here this morning. A lot of snakes that we've been dealing with. Maybe you're here this morning And you say you know I've been dealing with snakes But I didn't know I had a way That I could could win over the snakes I've never accepted Christ as my savior But I want to I want that power and authority That I've heard you talk about this morning If that's you this morning Let me see your hand You say I'd like to know This Jesus that you're talking about I'd like to get in on that power and authority That you're talking about And that peace and that joy That you're talking about If that's you let me see your hand Okay.